A note from Robert P. Rabbit, 10. There are three kinds of people in the world. Those who have been in caves and like it, those who have been in caves and don't like it, and those who have never been in a cave and don't know if they will like it or not. And there are different kinds of caves, too. Some caves are so small that when people go into them, they have to crawl on all fours just to get around. I'm told that most people are afraid of those kinds of caves and don't want to go in them at all. Some caves are really big, with very high ceilings. Some people don't like to go into those kinds of caves because they are usually full of bats that can't see very well, so they fly around bumping into things, including any people visiting the cave. But some caves are just right, not too small and not too big, and with no bats. These caves can contain lots of interesting artifacts from the past, which Katie, Emily, and I were about to find out. Chapter 10. The Rock That Will Not Move What should we do? asked Katie. It looks scary in here, and I might have trouble getting around on crutches. Well, it seems to me that if this cave is where we'll find the rock that will not move, we need to go in there, said Robert P. Rabbit. But it is awfully dark in there, said Emily, and I'm not crazy about going into dark places. Don't worry, Robert P. Rabbit reassured her. Dark places aren't any worse than light places, as long as you know what is in there. And remember, I am a rabbit. I've lived in dark places in the ground all my life, and I can see in them much better than you humans, so I will lead the way. He puffed his chest out a little further than normal and hopped farther into the cave as the two girls followed him in single file. It's not too bad, Katie said a few steps in. Once your eyes get used to the darkness, the light from the entrance helps you see what's ahead for a pretty good distance. The cave was bigger than they first thought. While the entrance was only about the size of a garage door, it opened up inside to a much bigger room. There was water dripping from the ceiling in places, and they could hear what must be an underground stream up ahead. There is a passageway over there, said Robert P. Rabbit, and I think I see a light at the end of it. I think you're right, Emily said. Let's go that way. But as they started down the passageway, they suddenly heard footsteps behind them. They all froze as the steps came closer, and they bunched up so that if it was someone or something that meant to harm them, they would seem to be bigger as a group than if they were just standing in a straight line. When the footsteps got even closer, though, they realized it was only Little Bear. Why did you leave us, Little Bear? asked Katie. I didn't like the fact that my mother let you outsiders come to this place. It is sacred to my people, he said. Then why did you come back? asked Emily. I am the son of our chief, and I am soon to go on a journey by myself into the desert. I will live off the land for two moons, and all I will have with me is my knife and my sling. I will hunt small game and eat plants as my people have done for hundreds of years. When I return, I will tell of my adventures around the tribal fire, and they will then give me a new name based on my journey. Then I will be a man, and I will begin to learn how to be a chief, as one day I will take over from my father, just as he took over from his father, he said. That doesn't tell us why you came back, said Katie. It is because I can't be a real chief if I don't do as I'm expected, and if I don't act like a leader of my people. My mother thinks it is important for you to be here, and she gave me the responsibility of leading you to what you were looking for. So I decided that I was wrong to leave you. 
I couldn't go back and tell her that I didn't take you all the way to the rock that will not move. So follow me, I'll take you there now. Soon they came to the end of the passageway and into a second room that was larger than the first. At the far side, a lantern hung on a post and the walls were covered with pictures drawn in bright red, blue, yellow, green, and black. They depicted men and women and animals, and they were all action figures, looking like they were doing things. Wow, said Emily, these drawings are amazing. They look just like the paintings I'm seeing in my history books that Native Americans painted long ago on canyon walls, Katie said. They always tell a story, and if you study them carefully, you can get a good idea about what the people in the pictures were like. They are what your people call pictographs, said Little Bear. They tell the history of the Havasupai people. Katie told him, Thank you so much for bringing us here. I feel so grateful getting to see a little of the history of your people. You must be very proud to know that one day you will be their chief. Look, said Emily, there's someone way over on the other side of the room, and he is watching us. He is my great-grandfather, said Little Bear, and he is the rock that will not move. Our tribe gave him this name because he refused to move from this valley when your government tried to make all of our people leave here to move onto a reservation. He fought your government for fifty years in the only battlefield they understand, your courts. And he won a great victory. Your courts made your government give back this valley that they had stolen from us, and now our people can continue to live here forever. Come with me and you will meet him. They all moved as one to approach the rock that will not move. As they got closer, he looked down at them from the boulder he was sitting on. It protruded from the wall, almost like a throne. "'What have we here, little bear?' he asked. "'These are outsiders, my great-grandfather. They rescued singing waters from the rocks at the spring, and my mother says that they are special and they should meet you.' "'And why are they special?' his great-grandfather asked." I don't know, answered Little Bear, except that Singing Waters and both of these outsiders seem to be able to talk to this rabbit, which I don't understand at all. That is indeed special, and why, Mr. Rabbit, do you speak to these two? Before Robert P. Rabbit could respond, Katie spoke up. It's because we have the special mark, Mr. Rock. Anyone with the special mark can hear Robert P. Rabbit speak and can talk to him. Is that so, Mr. Robert P. Rabbit? asked the great-grandfather. You can understand me too? asked Robert P. Rabbit. The great-grandfather smiled and told him, Yes, I can hear you very well. Wow, said Katie. That means you are special and we should treat you as one of our family. I would be honored to be treated as one of your family, the great-grandfather replied. Now, tell me why you are really here, young lady, and I will decide if I'm going to help you. So Katie explained all about Larry Burkett, the letter he gave to Grandad, the moon rock they were searching for, and how they wanted to protect the moon rock so everyone could enjoy seeing it. When she finished, the great-grandfather said, Katie, I fear there are those who would harm you to obtain this moon rock. You will need to be wise as a fox." patient as a beaver, and strong as a bear to accomplish your goal. I met your Larry Burkett years ago while I was fighting your government in the courts. He came to the aid of our people when we ran out of money to pay our lawyers, so we owed him a great debt. Without him, we would not have been able to keep up the fight to save our land. 
After we finally won our battle, he visited our village and we made him an honorary member of our tribe. When I brought him into this very cave, he gave me an envelope. He asked me to hold it until someone came looking for the rock that will not move, who I could discern was a kind, wise, and upright person. If they didn't prove to me that they possessed these strong marks of true character, I was not to give them the envelope. Please wait here for a minute, he said. He walked over to a far corner of the cave and removed a rock from the wall, revealing a hole. He pulled out a brown envelope and brought it back to the group. Here, Katie, this is for you. You have shown to me that you are qualified to receive it. You showed kindness and compassion to singing waters. You understand the history of our people as we draw it on these walls, and you are brave enough to embark on this journey. Now I perceive that you still have a long journey ahead of you, and I will petition the Great Spirit to be with you and help you on this quest. And Katie, I want to give you something else because of your kindness to Singing Waters. He removed a medallion he wore and hung it around Katie's neck. It was a beautiful turquoise stone on a silver chain. He turned to Little Bear and said, You may take them back to the village now. As they walked back up the path, Katie held tightly to the envelope that was given to her by the rock that will not move, even though she still had to use her crutches to walk. She was not sure that she was really up to the task that lay before her. For some reason, she had the feeling that she and her whole family were in great danger. Robert P. Rabbit was sure of it, and he was determined to protect them all, especially Katie, from danger. When they were almost back to Singing Water's house, Little Bear turned to Katie and said to her with great reverence, Katie, the rock that will not move has made you a princess of our tribe by giving you that medallion. As the future chief, I need to give you a name that all our people will honor when you return to us. You will be known as Princess Loving Heart for the compassion that you have shown to Singing Waters and for the character that the rock that will not move has seen in you. Katie was bursting with pride as she entered Little Bear's house. When Singing Waters saw the medallion around Katie's neck, she squealed and gave her a giant hug. For the next fifteen minutes, they sat in a corner of the room, and Singing Waters explained everything Katie needed to know about being a princess.